Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. Uh, The commands of Christ. Today we're going to introduce the commands of Christ and why it's important to the foundational truths that we're going to look at this year. Our theme verse is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 24. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know, it's amazing to see how things uh, interweave especially as we begin to study God's word. Uh, There have been so many times in the last two and a half years that God has just interweaved our Sunday school lessons and our Sunday series together. And and the crazy thing is, is I've never sat down with our Sunday school teachers and said, hey, listen, this is what I want you to teach for Sunday school because this is what I'm going to be preaching on Sunday morning. Uh, Brother Mike and I, we've been amazed so many times where he said, I was just talking about that this morning, what you preached on. Guess what? I wasn't in here. I didn't know he talked on that. Why is that? Because as you begin to study the word of God, you see that the word of God is one story interweaved all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And that story is of Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing thing. Uh, You know, even as we pointed out last week, there's been series of messages over these years that God has been directing us towards the place that I believe that God has brought us to for this year for such a time as this. As we begin to unpack the commands of Christ, I believe that you'll see how it fits directly with our theme verse for the year. All right, so in John chapter 17, and we're, we're going to look there in just a, a moment, Jesus takes time to pray for his followers. Guess who that includes? Us. For today, Jesus prayed for his followers, and you'll notice how much it sounds like the very first verse in our theme. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and let our bodies um, um, and our bodies washed with pure water. And then John 17, 11, listen to what happens. And this is what Jesus is saying. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given, that they may be one as we are one. And then skip down to verse number 14 and 15. I have given them thy word, and thy word hath, uh, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shalt keep them from the evil. Well, think about exactly what he told us. He said, I want you to draw assurance. I want you to stand in me with full assurance, not wavering. What was Jesus praying for us? That we wouldn't waver in our faith as we face the things of this world, as we face the things that happen in this world. We see that the words Christ uh, of Christ weave right into our theme. The prayer of Jesus was for us to draw near to the Father, to have the oneness that Jesus had with God. And for what reason? To keep us from evil. You know, I, I wish... Uh, and, and I was talking to Brother Glenn about this this morning. I wish that every new believer 
that came to the church, that come to know knows Christ as their Savior, would understand why it's so important to continually draw near to Christ. But it's almost as if so many people, they realize their need for Christ. They accept God as their Savior. And then as things are going smooth, as things are going okay, what do they do? Well, God, it's all good now. You took care of the things that I was struggling with. I put my trust in you. But you know what? I'm good. I don't need to be at church anymore. I don't need to be here. I don't need to do that. And then you know what ends up happening? Their life becomes distressed again. Why? Because they failed to draw near to God and to have him keep them from the world. Let me just tell you, why, is, why do I emphasize so much? Try to be here for every service that you can be in. Because you've got to learn to know God better. You've got to draw closer to him. Because this is something that I've learned in my own life. As you draw closer to God, God begins to real, reveal things in your life where you thought you were doing pretty well. And he says, you know what? You can improve a little bit here. Something that's helped in my life just recently. Uh, again, you know, I've, 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 I know I talk about my kids a lot. Why do I do that? Because I love my kids, right? And, and, and my kids are the best example I can give you because that's who I live with all the time. But can I tell you something that I've learned in my life as I've drawn closer to God? I've also learned to be a better husband and a better father. Why? Because God is constantly teaching me things. When Eric and Alex were small, uh, they were little. I was working at a church, and it was a slave drive type church. Hey, I expect you to be out knocking on doors all the time. I expect you to be in teens' homes all the time. Hey, on, on Friday, that's your day off, but you need to be planning teen activities. On Saturday, every Saturday, you need to have a teen activity. I missed a lot of time with my kids, and I don't think that was right. I look back and I said, if God, God, if you ever let me pastor a church and you give me somebody who's going to serve alongside me, God, help me remember what I missed out on with my first ministry because I missed out on a lot in those first two years of my kid's life. Well, then Ariel and Alton come along. I had a church that loved, uh, loved uh, that we loved our family and a pastor who encouraged me, spend time with your family, do this, do this, do that, you know, spend time with your family. Well, I spent a lot of time with my family, but you know what I didn't do? I didn't get up in the middle of the night to take care of the babies when they were babies. I'd elbow Renee. Hey, the baby's crying again. Hey, the baby's crying again. Hey, the baby's crying again. You need to feed them. You know what I learned? God's given us another little one. You know what I've learned? It's so important for me to be a part of getting up, helping take care of the baby, letting Renee get the rest that she needs. It's important. It's the same thing in our Christian life. You can be satisfied sitting right where you're at if you want to. That, that, that's, if that's what you want to do, you can do that. It's not going to make you lose your salvation. But you know what? You're going to miss out on the blessings that God has already given you by failing to grow in Christ the way that he desires to, for you to and to draw closer to him because it's going to help keep you from the world. And the things that the world is trying to put into your mind and the philosophies that it's trying to put there and, and, and the ideas that it tries to put into your head. And, and as one of the reasons why we keep on going back to foundational things is because I believe a lot of times when we start to look at our foundation, we start to see where there's little cracks that the world has caused in our foundation because we allowed the world's ideas to come into our minds. And he said, draw near to me. 
I'm going to tell you, I, I, my prayer is for every person, a- including those who aren't with us today, who normally would with, be with us or haven't been with us for a few weeks, that normally would be, that they would understand and know that it's so important for us to draw near to God and to draw nearer and nearer every single day because God is so good to us and he's so merciful to us and so long-suffering to us. He's done so much for us that he saved our life and every Christian ought to be uh, not satisfied with the status quo but we ought to be saying God help me draw nearer to you each and every day and so I am begging God each and every day on my knees God would you help me draw closer to you but God would you help the people of Victory Baptist Church draw closer to you because God you have great things in store for them but so many are sitting and satisfied with where they're at and they're going to miss out on the great things that God has for their life God help them realize the importance of these things in their life so that they can grow you might have been in the church for 30, 40 years, and you're still where you were when you first came to know Christ as your Savior. Or you might be a new believer here today who says, I'm excited about God. Don't lose that excitement. Those of you who are stagnant, ask God to fill your heart and your life and show you that you are wanting to draw nearer to Him so that you can have the the blessing of God that He's already given you if you would just follow Him. It's so important. But how do we know that? How do we know the things that are important? We've got to get back to the foundation. We also see where Jesus' words interweave with the second verse of our theme, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? For he is faithful that promised. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, to strengthen thy brethren. What was Jesus praying? I prayed for you to have strength, Peter, that you would have the faith. Satan is going to do everything he can to rip you out of the ground. He's going to do everything he can to rip out your faith. And Satan is no different today. He looks at each and every one of you. And the words are the same for you. Aaron, Aaron, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Put your name in there. Satan has every desire to sift you as wheat, to cut you off from the blessings of God. But you know what Jesus also prayed? He prayed for us to have strength, that we wouldn't waver. Jesus' words to Peter are no different than the words he asks for us today. He prays for us to hold fast our profession of the faith, that we do not fail, and that we stand without wavering. For what reason? To strengthen our brothers. This ties right into the last verse of our theme, Hebrews 10, 25, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. What what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, hey, I'm praying for you that your faith fails not. Why? To strengthen thy brethren. Do you know why your faith needs to be unwavering? Because there's people that are looking at your life. And if you waver in your faith, it could completely destroy their life. Pastor, that's not fair. I shouldn't have that responsibility. You're right. They're still responsible for choosing. But it doesn't change the fact that God said, Let us consider to provoke unto love and good works. It is our responsibility to live life in such a way that we are provoking and pointing other people to trust God more. 
That is our responsibility. And if we're not living with that responsibility, we're living in sin. Pastor, that seems hard. Our faith in Christ provokes and encourages our brothers to also hold fast. But Christ's words also interweave into another way here. Listen to what he tells us in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give unto thee, unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love to one another, to another. He says that we're supposed to love our brethren. Do you feel like in the large scheme of things within Christianity that we see the love of Christ between brothers? A lot of times, no. Hypocrisy. You have the choice to love or to not love, but the command that he's given us is to love one another. To provoke one another to love and to good works. You can choose not to. But if you choose not to love your brother, you're living in sin. You can choose not to provoke to love and to good works. But if you choose that, you're choosing to live in sin. Pastor, that seems harsh. It's true in my life, though, too. And I have to think through those things because let's just be honest. Are there people that we don't like in our lives? You think I have people I don't really care much for in my life that are supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ? And if I choose not to love them, then I'm choosing to live in sin. I'm choosing not to follow the commands of Christ. Now, we're going to get into this, and we're going to see part of the problem with when we look at commands is we've, we paint it in a, in a negative light. Well, God commanded that we don't do this. Because he's just waiting to look at us. And when we fail one of his commandments, he's going to knock us over the head. (laughs) Actually, the commands of Christ are a very positive thing. Because he says, I only want what's best for you. And if you'll follow the commands that I have for you, you're going to have the best life you could possibly ever have. But if you choose not to, and that's your choice, you're choosing not to live in the blessing that I've already promised you. That I've already given you. But you've got to choose whether you're going to serve me or whether you're going to serve yourself. Whether you're going to serve me or you're going to serve things. You've got to choose that, which is also a command that Christ gave us. Choose you this day whom you will serve. So we have a choice to make. Now we're going to dive into where we get this idea of why we need to be preaching through the commands of Christ for this year. The first thing I want us to see um, in just a moment is the forgotten message. So the weaving of Jesus' commands to love one another comes together in the need to encourage the fellow Christians to love and to good works. We've been having um, our search to scripture studies, and there's been many times that as we've dug into familiar passages of scriptures that God has given me fresh eyes and a new perspective of the significance of those verses. One of the passages of scripture that we looked at this year was Matthew chapter 28, verses 29 through 30. And it's the reason why we're teaching through the commands of Christ this year, because God opened my eyes and said, are you doing what I've commanded you? The forgotten message, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The forgotten message of the Great Commission is the message that is key to our understanding of the Scripture and doctrine. It's the foundational truth that is necessary for us to understand our calling as Christians. I believe our church is doing a great job. We're, 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 we're doing great at going by reaching out and telling people the gospel of, of Jesus Christ and supporting others who are reaching the world as missionaries. But that's not to say that we can't do more, because we certainly can. I believe that we've seen God bless us and seeing new believers baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. We've seen all those things. But the forgotten message of the Great Commission is that Jesus told us to teach the things that he has commanded us. Too often we get, uh, uh, we, we get uh, that interpreted as have Bible studies, provide Sunday school classes, Give them a discipleship book and let them read and fill out the answers on their own. That's not what it told us to do. It actually gave us a word, teach. Take time with those individuals to teach them the commands of Christ. Now, we are doing this on Sunday mornings as a whole. Why? Because I believe it's a forgotten commandment that most of us probably have never heard an entire year of preaching on the commands of Christ. I know I haven't. In fact, I, I don't know. There's, there's certain commands that people will teach you, but have they taught you all the commands in the Gospels? No. The very fact is, you could study just the commands of Jesus Christ, and it would take a lifetime for us to completely understand them and follow them. It take a lifetime to really study them and know them. The word of God is inexhaustible. People that sit and say, "Well, I know everything there is about the Bible." No, you don't. If it, no, you don't. It's inexhaustible. It's a living book. Again, I, I can preach the same passage of Scripture for the next five weeks and have five different messages. Why? Because it's a it's a living book. And the people that sit there and say, oh, I know everything there is to know about Scripture. Either one, you don't know Christ as your Savior, or two, you're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Because if you know everything, then you should be in heaven. You should always be learning. The moment you stop learning, you're either dead or not surrendered to Christ. We should always be learning from the Word of God. We failed to hear the actual words of Christ who commands us to teach, to observe, to practice, to follow, to demonstrate everything I've commanded you. That's what the word observe means. Teach them to observe. If you're not living the commands of Christ, how are you teaching them to observe? How are you demonstrating how to live the commands of Christ? If you're not practicing them, the commands that Christ has given you, how can you teach somebody else to practice them? You know, how often uh, do we sit there and say, Hey, kids, I want you to make sure you guys are eating healthy. Well, we're sitting there eating a bag of chips. 
Yeah, you need to start eating more healthy. You need to eat your vegetables. Hey, here's some vegetables, son. I don't like vegetables. Well, why should kids follow that example of eating vegetables if you're not doing it? Number two, not only do we see the the forgotten command or forgotten message, we also see the follower's mandate. This forgotten message is the follower's mandate. What is a mandate? It's an official order given to us as followers of Christ. This is our commission, and we're expected to obey it. This isn't, hey, if you feel like doing this, do this. When he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, or go ye into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them whatsoever things I have commanded thee. It's a command. It's not optional. But too many churches have counted this as optional. Well, listen, as long as the pastor's going and telling people about Jesus, hey, as long as the pastor's preaching the gospel at the church, that's good enough. I just have to uh, let, let, let my friends know that my pastor does that. Why, why would they want to know anything about Christ if you're not living it and sharing it with them? Will I share Christ with whoever your friends are if you bring them to me? Absolutely I will. And now I understand some people say, hey, pastor, I'm not really comfortable with how to lead them in the gospel. I understand that. And sometimes you might need help. I'm not preaching and saying that you're doing something against that mandate that God has given you. But you better be living Christ in front of them. Because if you're saying, hey, I love Jesus and you're not living Christ in front of them and say, hey, why don't you come to my church and hear about Jesus and you're not living Christ in front of them, what are they going to say? Why would I want to know your Jesus? Why would I want to know the Jesus that you know as if he's, he's made your life better when you're living just like I am? That's not going to work. Let me tell you one of the best ways that you can share Christ with someone. Do you know your own salvation testimony? That's the gospel. Pastor, do I need to know all the verses that are in the Bible? No. You don't have to know all the verses in the Bible. Give me your testimony. Hey, let me tell you where my life was. This is where I was. I was a sinner on my way to hell. My life was messed up. I ran from God for a long time. But then I saw the goodness of God and his love for me, and he called out to me. And he said I gave, he gave his son for me to forgive me of everything I ever did and that I could have a relationship with him no matter how bad my past was. And I called on Jesus Christ and made him Lord and Savior of my life and repented of my sins and accepted him as my Savior and my life has never been the same since. Does that sound like something that you want to do? That's the gospel. And it's our mandate. It's our commission that God has given each one of us as children of God, as his bought with a price children to share Christ with others. The forgotten message is the follower's mandate. How can we possibly say that we're following Jesus Christ if we've never taken time to know what he commands? We cannot obey his commands if we don't even know what they are. I'm not suggesting that your salvation in any way is about our doing. 
It's all about our being in Christ. You can't earn your salvation by obeying Christ's commands, nor can you maintain your salvation by doing good works. When you receive Christ as your Savior, it was once and done. Praise the Lord for that. You'll not lose your salvation if you refuse to follow Christ's commands. But why would you refuse to demonstrate your love to the one who loved you so much that he gave his own life for you? Also understand that the purpose of teaching through these commands is not to push you to do something out of duty, obligation, or guilt, or blackmail, or pressure. It's to encourage us to obey his commands because we love him. If I uh, tell my kids, hey, I need you, so, so we bring our trash here to the church. What? You bring your trash to the church? Why don't you have a trash can? Uh, the church said, bring it to the church because it's not ever full. So, but could you imagine if I told my kids and I said, Alex, I need you to go take the trash out. Fine, I'll go take the trash out. And he grabs the trash and he throws it in the back of the car. Comes back in with an attitude. Is that, is that really following the command? That's doing something out of duty. That's not true obedience. You can try to follow the commands of Christ out of your duty, but that's not true obedience. Now, on the other hand, if I say, hey, Alex, can you help me out? I really need to take the trash to the church, and there's several trash bags that need to go. Can you, get, can you go load up the, the car with me? Yeah, Dad, I'll, I'll do that. I'll be glad to. Hey, in fact, if you want, I'll even ride with you, and I'll put the trash in the trash can so you don't have to do it yourself. And then after that, can we, can we just hang out and spend some time together? Well, why would we do that? Because he loves me. He, he's following the command, not out of duty, but because he says, I, I, I love my dad. And he loves me. And because he loves me, I want to do what he's asking me to do. And, and, and in fact, I want to go even beyond that. I just want to spend some time in fellowship with him. I, I want to show my love to him and just spend a little extra time with him because I love him. Too many people in the church... We follow the commands with the attitude of, ah, if I have to. It's not pleasing. It doesn't show any love towards God whatsoever. It just shows you doing things out of duty. As we look at the commands of Christ, we must keep this in mind that God does not give his people suggestions. Whatever comes out of the mouth of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit is equally important and authoritative to the life of a Christian. When he said, go ye into all the world, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach, uh, teach whatsoever things I have commanded you, teach them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you. You understand, that's not a suggestion. Any place where God says, I want you to do this, it's not a suggestion. Now, do we have the choice whether to follow it or not? Yeah. And if we choose not to, guess what? We suffer, suffer the consequences for not doing it. And if we choose to obey, guess what? We receive the blessing that's already there for obe obedience. Number three, we see a false mindset. For whatever reason, when we hear the word command, we immediately have a negative thought. 
But we must eliminate that false mindset that we have of the word command. When God give, gave commands to us through Jesus, those commands came from a great love for, for us, not from a heart of making life burdensome. Do you remember what Jesus said when there were people who were really struggling because the Pharisees were trying to add all these things to salvation? What did Jesus say? Come, ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. God said, Jesus was telling them, look, what they're trying to do, putting all this religious stuff on top of this, is burdensome. It's not good. The commands that they're doing as men, as Pharisees, is burdensome. But I'm inviting you to rest. I'm inviting you to come to me and rest. And yes, am I going to put burdens on you? Yes, but my burdens are easy. Yes, am, is there, are you going to have to be yoked up to me? Yes, my yoke is light. You realize that's a command as well? Come ye is a command. And we understand that this is a command again to the lost. And to the saved. First to the lost because Jesus is saying, look, stop trying to live religiously to earn your salvation. But you know what he says to the religious people who know Christ? Stop trying to live religiously to prove your salvation. Just come to me. Yoke up with me. Rest in me. Trust in me. When I give you a command, understand it's for your good. And rest and trust that it's for your good. And follow it because you understand that I'm not going to make you carry that burden on your own. I'm going to be yoked up with you, carrying the burden with you. Won't you yoke up with me and let me make your burdens light and not weary? Romans 8, 37 through 39 says this, Nay, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is Paul saying? He's saying, don't you realize if you'll just obey, you're already a conqueror. You've already won. You already have the victory. The, 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 the commands that I'm giving you aren't to be burdensome. It's to show you that you win. And that my love will never be separated from you. But so often we redefine words to things that they don't mean. Or we start to misinterpret words and make them mean something that they don't. We've allowed the word command and disciple to take on a harsh overtone, largely because they're misused and abused in many homes and in many families. Because you notice when, when, when Christ commands, when God commands, he's not demanding. Now, again, they're not suggestions. He does want us to do that. But there's a difference between commanding and demanding. 
Sometimes, as a father, I demand things. Even when they had the bad attitude about taking the garbage out. I don't want to. First, I command it, right? Hey, I need you to take the trash to the car. Well, I don't really feel like it. Why can't somebody else do it? Now I'm telling you, take the stuff to the car. That's demanding. But when God gives us commands, hey, I love you. I'm asking you to do this for the good of yourself and for the good of the relationship with me. Would you please do it? Would you do that? I'm not suggesting it's important to our relationship. But I'm glad he's not like an earthly father. Who when we fail at his commands, he then becomes demanding. Now, does God demand sometimes? Does he punish us when we don't follow commands sometimes? But he, does he do it every time? He's long-suffering and kind and merciful. Goes right with Psalm 86 that we looked at this morning in our classes. Deci uh, dis discipline, right? Sometimes we look at the word discipline and we think that's a bad word. I'm going to discipline you. You know, di discipline's not necessarily a bad word either. We think of it harshly. Why? Because a lot of times when we were disciplined, it was done in harshness. I, I, I never understood this till I was a father, but I, I can remember that I'd get in trouble at home, and, uh, and Dad would have to get the belt out or the paddle out, or if he didn't have either of those, he'd find a ping pong paddle or something to use. And he'd sit us down and say, now, you know why I'm disciplining you, right? No. Oh, you, oh, you don't? Uh, no. Well, didn't you do such and such? Well, yeah. Okay, well, was that thing that you did right or wrong? It was wrong. Why did you do it? I don't know. <laughs> did, were you doing it because other people were doing it? Yeah, I guess so. And then he would say, now you know, I'm going to discipline you. And, and I never understood this until I became a father myself. And he'd say, this is going to hurt me as much as it's going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, right. What do you mean it's hurting you as much as it hurts me? That belt? You're not getting whipped with the belt. That hurts. And then afterwards... He would sit down and say, you know, I love you. Right? <laughs> yes. And I just want you to do what's right. And I want you to keep making the same mistakes. And I'm trying to teach you and help you. Okay. Are you going to do it again? I don't know. I might. <laughs> I'll try not to. And we would try not to. I didn't understand that as a child. So I became a father myself. See, the discipline isn't to be harsh. The discipline is to help us. To guide us. To direct us. To train us. But instead, we've changed it to mean to punish or to impose harsh penalties and painful consequences. Now, can they be painful for a season? But I'm, I'm not sitting here going, oh, I still hurt today. 
20 years, 25 years later, 30 years later, the pain's gone. I don't feel it today. Why? Because the punishment's been given. And it was to direct me in the right way. And to train me in the right way. God's command shouldn't be looked at as inflicting pain or punishment, but rather as a direction or a prescription. We can look at it from the standpoint of a child living in their father's house. Parents have certain expectations for their children. Brush their teeth, clean their room, show respect to others, do their homework, and many other things. These expectations and rules aren't set to bring punishment. Right? It wasn't a punishment for us to brush our teeth. We weren't sitting there going, oh, this hurts so bad. Oh, I don't like this command. It's a punishment. It's awful. I have to comb my hair because my parents want me to look decent. It's awful. Sometimes kids act that way. But what was, the, what was the expectations for? Those expectations and rules aren't set to bring punishment, but to help prepare children to be responsible when they're out of the home. They're meant to develop character in the children. Christ commands are not meant to be punishments. Christ commands are expectations and rules to help us grow in him. We need to stop viewing Christ's commands as coming from a master to a servant or a king to his subjects or a general to his soldiers, but rather view Christ's commands as instructions coming from a father to their sons or daughters. The relationship we view, uh, uh, the relationship of those commands, and when we view those commands makes a difference. For the lost world, guess what it's going to look like? Harsh, hard, mean. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. To the lost person, that seems like that's unfair. I should be able to get to heaven any way I want to. But for us who know Christ as our Savior, we see how that is just and how that is right because how many of us could have ever done enough good works to ever have our sins forgiven? None of us. But Christ says, Hey, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me. Come to me. And you're going to know the Father. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Does that sound harsh? But so many people, outside of their relationship with Christ, look at that and say, oh, it's commands of Christ. That's not fair. He brings justice where there was injustice. It's not fair to him that he had to give his life for us. But he offers us a beautiful gift of salvation through him. God's commands are meant to help us live a happy, full life that is pleasing to Him and to those around us. When we choose to live the commands of Christ, He promises us unimaginable blessings. 
1 Corinthians 2, 9. But it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have um, entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Notice he didn't use is preparing. God has already prepared blessings for each and every one of us. They're ours for the taking. But it requires us to say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. The blessings are already there for you. He's not saying if you do these things, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you a blessing. He's saying if you do these things, the blessing's there for yours to take. You can have it. But you've got to follow the path that I've led you to and I'm guiding you to and telling you, follow me. And the blessings are going to be there already for you when you come to that place. But so many people come to church thinking, well, I've got to do all these commands. Otherwise, God's not going to bless me. The blessing's there. He wants to bless you. But you've got to go along the path to receive those blessings. You've got to follow along that path to be able to stop and say, hey, look at this blessing that God already gave me. It was here. And I was missing out on it because I thought I had to work for that blessing. But in reality, it was God was trying to guide me and direct me in the best way possible and in the best path that could ever happen in my life, and I was choosing to miss out on that blessing because I was refusing to follow the command of Christ. Because I made it burdensome when really it was light. I made it seem like I had to do it out of duty when God just said, love me. Because what did that verse say again? The things which God had prepared for them that love Christ criticized the Pharisees for needlessly laying heavy burdens on others. So when Christ is giving us commands, he doesn't intend on being oppressive or unreasonable or burdensome. 1 John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then listen to what God says about his own commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. When you view the commands of Christ this year with the view, this viewpoint in mind, you will see how obeying the commands of Christ will change your life far better than you could ever imagine. We could spend a lifetime trying to implement just the commands of Christ since they give us not only the words of life, but also the practical, everyday application of the truth that we are able to live in. Lord willing, through these sermon series, over the coming year, you'll be encouraged and empowered to allow the Holy Spirit to conform your life and character into the image of Christ. Lord willing, as we go through these commands, you'll begin to take and observe your foundation and say, hey, God, you know what? I realize my foundation is cracked here because I have the wrong view of who you were. You'll be able to say, hey, you know what, God? Hey, my, my foundation was pretty strong here. But I want to reinforce that because I, I see in your word where I've fallen short of some of the commands that you've given me. My prayer is, is that everyone who's here today <clears throat> listening will listen later on. That you'll say, God, you know what? Help me view your commands 
not as burdensome, but as a guide to give me the best life I could ever have. When we begin to view those commands that way, it'll change the mindset. It'll change your life completely. And you'll be able to live in the fullness that God has promised you. His blessings are already there for those that love Him. He's already prepared them. Will you begin to live and walk in the commands that He's given you and allow Him to direct your path so that you can receive the blessings He's already prepared for you? Because otherwise, what's going to happen to those blessings? They're going to go to waste. He's already promised them to you. Why wouldn't you live in such a way to receive those and to pick those up along the path as you follow the commands of Christ? Thank you.